0: What's up everyone? Before we get started, I just want to remind you if you haven't given this show a rating, you can on Apple, Spotify, and the other platforms you're listening at. It would mean so much to me if you did. The good news is it only takes 60 seconds. Thank you so much for listening and let's begin. You know, my clients are oftentimes males, but I'm a female, so I can give you a female perspective. But I'm also giving you a female perspective of a provider. You're now tuned in to Tender Love and Cash, the place where ambitious men and women turn to for business strategies that not only skyrocket their profits, but also position them to serve the masses and make money doing what they love. I'm Amber Anthony, profit booster, efficiency driver, strategy specialist, and lover of all things analytical. And I'm going to help demystify difficult topics and concepts, crunch the numbers, and use real data to craft a strategic approach that supports business owners with a solid framework to operate a well-planned cash generating machine. I can't promise to tell you what you want to hear, but I'll guarantee you'll get the guidance you need to hear to launch, grow, and build the business of your dreams with confidence. Let's dive in. In today's episode, we are going to talk about what it looks like when you make your fortune after you say, I do. And then what happens should that union dissolve? And I have some real-life examples, not only my own, but examples from clients that I think will be extremely important in showing you the the behind-the-scenes of the different scenarios. Please note, as a disclaimer, that the information that I'm about to provide you is not gender-biased and in addition, we will not be touching on anything to do with minor children. We are going to stick completely to the business activity and engagement under the legal umbrella of the marriage. So let's start out with my own personal story because I think you're going to be re- able to relate to it as it happened Over a decade ago, and it was still in my infancy stage of business. Okay. So I'm going to take you on a journey. Here goes. I took over a failing family business in 2002. Over the course of the following eight years, instead of taking any type of raises or profit sharing, I took equity in the company. In 2008, I was offered by my mother and the other majority shareholder the opportunity to buy the business. At that point, I had already owned 30%, so the offer on the table was to buy the other 70%. At that time, I was legally married. I did decide to move forward with purchasing the business, so at that point, obviously, there's a liability, a debt owed. Right, for the purchase of the business on my balance sheet, regardless of the success of the business over the course of so many years of the gross sales. I did legally divorce in 2008. Now, all the physical property that I owned, as far as residences, I had purchased as single primary residence, not married. So that wasn't a conversation piece. And ironically, thanks to timing, by the time I ended up actually legal divorcing my first husband, there was no conversation about the business having any type of liquidity because it, of course, was in debt at the time. So that was in favor to me. Sidebar, none of this was thought out. None of this was calculated. I'm just giving you the timeline in hindsight. So... Even though I had legally divorced, like many of us, we go back and forth, you know, still in the relationship, right? There are unresolved issues, either with children or stepchildren or, you know, emotions and feelings. And when I get to my second or third story in this episode, you will see what that costs. But let's continue on with this. In 2010, though legally divorced, I was entertaining on... Bringing on a partner. And the reason I was entertaining on bringing on a partner, literally, is because I was being terrorized (laughs) by my ex. So even though the divorce decree was issued, again, there was still a lot of unhealthy back and forth. There were still stepchildren in play, et cetera, logistics, keeping appearances. A lot of it was just very, you know, swept under the rug, as most of us in my generation do not wanting to bring it for the forefront. On top of that, there was also a lot of threats, um, you know, quite a bit of domestic violence um, and bullying over, over the course of that time. So there were a lot of moving parts. The only way I could see out of this situation was to leave the state and take on a partner who could show up for my business And for me, because at that time, I was unable to show up. Oftentimes, emotionally and occasionally, I was unable to show up physically. And that's the God's honest truth. So as I was vetting out literally my escape plan, because there were still ongoing threats, um, ongoing sabotage, et cetera, I knew that I had to leave the state and start anew. So I made that negotiation. And in hindsight, because hindsight is always twenty-twenty, is what I learned. Well, you've heard it. Number one, step one, never make a huge decision like that under duress. But in this case, I did. So I was a young single mother, legally divorced, again, being bullied. There was a component of violence. And the only way I believed that I could extinguish that is to leave the state and take on another opportunity of emotional support. I did not need financial support. Okay. My business was healthy. Top line was $2 million. Bottom line, conservatively, was 300000 net. And that was still paying many expenses and or individuals aligned with the business that weren't required for operations, and that's the luxury of having a business because oftentimes you can have individuals and other things that, you know, you're able to pay a premium on, i.e. employing family members, et cetera, right, to benefit your own agenda, So the business would have been much more profitable, is what I'm saying, had there still not been those additional layers, which is totally normal in business. So during my escape, my desperate attempt to keep together uh, what I had spent the last eight years building, I aligned um, in, in an arrangement that, though... There were many blessings that came from that arrangement over the years, but what I'm disappointed about is how I entered that arrangement, and I think that's what's important here. I entered that arrangement definitely from a a, a victim mindset, definitely from an emotional mindset. So with that said, I, I had a thriving business, but because I had been beat down uh, for so many years and had lost faith in my ability, frankly, okay, the arrangement that I entered into, I sold 49% of my business for $0. Now, granted, the amazing businessman that I brought on as the new CEO of my business Because for those of you who are familiar with my skill set, my true area of genius is COO and CFO. So to make it relevant in today's terms, okay, I brought on a new CEO to take my business to the next level, gave them 49% interest in my business for $0 to take my business to the next level, at which point... They're almost an equal owner, okay? And that's important. Numbers are important to understand. My business was not in debt. Again, top line was $2 million. Profitability was excellent. But frankly, I mean, let's be honest. I mean, let's play devil's advocate. During that time of peril, could I have performed? Would I have lost Everything. Because I was, you know, under emotional duress, right? So you have, to, you have to play all these scenarios out. You have to give credit where credit is due. Because fast forward 10 years after there's been healing, after there's been reflection, the fact of the matter is, is when you are in the fire and when all hell is breaking loose and when you are unraveling as a human... You can't show up for yourself. You can't show up for your business. You can't show up for your clients. You can't show up for your team members. And that is fact. And that's where I was at the time of this negotiation. So yes, on paper, it seems completely asinine. And the healed Amber, you know, that, that stands before you today, taking the emotion out of it and just looking at the financial statements, goes, this was the worst, most retarded negotiation ever. Like, why why did you do that to yourself? But the self-aware Amber, the fair Amber, knows, knows that deep, dark, torturous place, hopeless place that I was in the day I entered into that negotiation. And for that, I am grateful that that opportunity was on the table and that over the course of time, it has manifested into something safer, better, and bigger. Okay? So that is and was <laughs> my first experience of business and divorce. Okay. Now I'm going to run you another scenario. So you'd think I'd learn. Well, no, apparently not. So fast forward three, four years, I decide to enter into another marriage. And oftentimes um, individuals get bullied about prenups, right? Are you in it for the right reason, et cetera, et cetera. Mind you, I'm still in my healing phase. So I'm not even certain at this point that this year that I even know what I did in 2010, know where I'm at in 2014, and know what the potential outcome can be. So remember, you're getting this firsthand. You know, hindsight's so you're So you're getting to see the outcome after tons of learning and reflection, right? But in the moment, I hadn't even reconciled the good or the bad from my first decision, Like that was still ongoing, like that was still pending. So, what Amber loves to do best is compound (laughs) situations, right? And that's exactly what I did. So, I just added another layer of complexity on purpose, right? So, I ended up getting into another marriage, Um, no prenup. We go on for several years. Obviously, the first situation is still ongoing, right? and reconciling itself. And finally, when my second marriage came to an end, ironically, legally, so it had ended sometime before, similar to scenario one, right? But legally, the formalities didn't start to occur until 2019 and 20, and right, that was when the whole world was crashing, including my industry, so I guess you could call me lucky because, you know, during divorces, you are required to bring forth financials, right? And it's what can be proven and disproven. And, you know, there are laws that govern this type of thing. And, you know, it's it's, it's a formality and it's a framework. And I'll get into why that gets muddy, but in this situation, I'm fortunate that, All of my financials are in order. So should it have gone to that extent, I am and was confident that it would have landed where I would have expected it to land, you know, within the letter of the law, right? And that's another thing. Know the rules of engagement. Know the rules of engagement. It is what it is. We'll dive into that a little deeper. So the marriage did, did end the decree was finalized, takes forever in California, by the way. The decree was finalized in 2021. And thankfully, that partner allowed me to exit with a bit of a a promissory note, if you will, right? So we didn't go to the complete formality. It didn't get ugly. Nobody ripped each other apart, thank God. And well, because I was frankly bankrupt in 2020 on paper, right? So you can't get blood out of a turnip. So if the formalities would have happened at that point, the settlement would have been zero. But we all knew slash believed that I would be able to make a comeback, you know, after things got situated uh, during that awful year and in good faith because, again, I was just grateful for the fact that I wasn't ripped apart. I agreed to some things outside of a legal settlement, right? Right. So, on on my word. And so, let me talk about why that's important. Okay. Because scenario one that I shared with you, okay, I had no legal liability to this individual, right? So, divorce number one, no legal liability, but that individual ripped the situation apart um, and tortured me mentally and physically to where I couldn't perform at my greatest potential. In scenario number two, I almost had a legal liability, but this individual had the foresight to say, you know what, she's going to bounce back. She's going to be great. So let me back off and let her be great so I can get a bigger payout, right? And, you know, if you've been following me for any time, you understand that even though money, the metrics, the financial statements, what can be proven, what is black and white, all of that definitely is important. And especially in litigation, it's mandatory. But what many people don't factor in is, is the opportunity cost of what could be potentially lost through mental anguish. And and I think that's interesting because when you think about harassment cases or you think about personal injury cases, you know, obviously you know what the medical bills are. You know that if you're in a personal injury accident, you know, if, if there's a loss of a vehicle, you know what that number is. And then, you know, they throw in that third column of, you know, time and suffering. But, hello, divorce law, anybody who wants to rework this, there is no column for time and suffering. And especially in the state of California, this shit goes on and on and on and on. The fastest time you can get a divorce is one year. So, For a minimum of 365 days, your hands are tied. Why? Because there's conversations about business, income, assets, alimony, all types of shit. And nobody's 100% straight up when they get into this. I don't care how noble you are, right? You're not telling everything. And again, not pointing fingers, sometimes you just omit things. But the fact of the matter is, you're never coming with the 100% story. Hey, gonna take a quick break to say, if you'd like to DM or message me any questions you have about some of the topics I talk about in the show, just hit me up on any of my socials linked in the show notes. Thank you so much for listening, and let's get back to the show. So for 365 days, you're guarded. Your antennas are up and you're watching what you're doing. And should you, for instance, still be shining bright like a diamond, making all kinds of income? And let's say that your ex, whomever, is telling the story that that's always been the case. Well, if you continue to do so, then clearly it can be proven that that is a standard. And I've, I've I've seen it all. I've seen it all because obviously I've had multiple clients over the course of the years. I've seen all the tax returns. And I've also represented individuals in their divorces and business separations. Okay. I'm not an attorney, but I do work with their attorneys as a forensic auditor. I have sat on a team of attorneys in front of judges who have been... Hearing these types of cases for decades upon decades. And let me tell you, all of these numbers, all of the filings, all what can be proven and disproven counts. The history, the record keeping. And especially when it gets complex into properties, tangible assets, businesses. When were these properties or tangible assets put into use? Did they hit the tax return? What was the depreciation? What was the story being told around that? What was the income being told around that? Because when you're married, if you are in fact, you know, filing joint, and if you also are married in a situation where there is a disparity, right? So there's a disparity of income, meaning one individual is the breadwinner and the asset manager, like just fact, right? And then the other party, of course, is the other party, but they don't necessarily have any business activity or investment activity that they are managing. Of course, they don't know all the ins and outs. And, and, and that's another thing that I preach. I don't care if you've decided to be the stay-at-home dad or the stay-at-home mom, and have zero income, you need to understand, you need to look at what is going on in that tax return. Because when you sign it, there's a penalty of perjury that states you understand what's going on. And you have to understand what's going on on that Schedule C if there is business income. You have to understand what's going on on that Schedule E. You know, if there's rental income, you need to take a long look at what's happening on your depreciation schedules and whether or not these assets are legitimately in use or even in possession. There's so many things that go on in the freaking 82 pages on a federal and state tax return that can affect you, not only affect you, haunt you for years to come. And as you can see by the nature of how I'm speaking and what I'm sharing, you can see that I'm not on one side or another as it comes to gender. You know, my clients are oftentimes males, but I'm a female, so I can give you a female perspective. But I'm also giving you a female perspective of a provider, of a business owner, of a manager of investments, who has and has not been married and, and, and what the details are surrounding that. So I'm able to share this information with you from, well, a factual place, a vulnerable place, but also a place of no bias. It just is. But it's incredibly important for you to understand what is. And you mustn't Put your head in the sand. So, what has inspired me to record this episode tonight and the urgency of it is I have two friends right now going through divorce who have both gained traction, okay, income success over the last few years, long after they have been married. So, when they got married many years ago, They were W-2 employees, and their husbands were W-2 employees, okay? Over the course of time, both of my friends decided to venture out, bet on themselves, walk into their areas of genius, and go after their dreams. Two or three years into this scenario, their dreams are coming to fruition. The businesses are starting to take off. Here's where the nightmare began. Number one, they're converting from W to employee to business owner. So they don't completely understand the complexity of financial reporting in business, right? They're still in their infancy stage. So even though you have this top line of income, this grows sales... And I was guilty of this too for many, many years because I didn't understand the importance of a balance sheet. I didn't understand the importance of cost basis. And I didn't understand the importance of corporate minutes. So in the two scenarios that I'm sharing with you right now, these young ladies also did not understand the importance of those items. Because all they're doing is going after their dreams, making sales, managing teams, and giving their heart and soul into their business. And right when it's starting to take off, right when it's starting to take off, unfortunately, their marriages are starting to collapse. So by the time they get into divorce court, here they are, emotional, and you saw what I did when I was emotional and unprepared. So because they weren't prepared with the three years prior of what it took for the business to get where it is, because the business looks bright and shiny now, but there was no record keeping of what it took to get there. Loans, cost basis, retained earnings. So the courts did their own analysis off of financial statements and tax returns that frankly were incorrect, but that's the way it was recorded. And when I say incorrect, I don't mean incorrect from profitability. What I mean is incorrect from shareholder equity. And that plays a part in overall valuation. But now what I'm speaking about is even a more complex concept, cost basis, valuation. But it's important. And many of us business owners don't even learn about that until many years into business. And that is why, that is why I entered into a negotiation that was not structured properly on paper. Now, emotionally, different story. Remember, we are looking at things through several lenses. But the two divorces that I'm witnessing, having all of that intact and in alignment would have been a complete make or break in the settlement. And my heart is breaking because it's one thing to have to navigate through a divorce, through an emotional situation. In one of the cases, a minor child is involved. How can you even focus on the other part? But by showing up to the gunfight, and here's the saddest part, the other party, all they had to show up was with their W-2. Hey, here's my W-2. And I've been holding it down because she's been out building a business. So she's not even home with said minor. Yeah. Can you imagine? Oh, but by the way, I'm going after XYZ. So while she sacrificed herself, sacrificed her relationship with me, sacrificed her relationship with her child, let me go ahead and get paid off that? Like... For real? You know, and we're all used to the gold diggers, you know, on the other side, you know, what we're accustomed to with women, you know, ripping apart their ex husbands in court battles. And that's just okay. Nobody ever, you know, we're all just like, oh yeah, he was probably a piece of shit, cheater, neglected her, et cetera. Right. But there is a new wave. There is a new wave of women who are creating fortunes during a marriage, and they are not prepared. They are not prepared to navigate through this for better or worse. And on the flip side, their significant others are also not prepared to navigate through this, for better or for worse. Because another horror story that I have is when you have a significant other who is walking into a fortune, who doesn't take care of business, and you don't ask any questions. And in this scenario, it was a gentleman who had caught his stride, and the wife had no idea. And many things weren't taken care of properly, a tax liability incurred, and hundreds of thousands of dollars are owed. And guess who owes it to? The wife, who has nothing to do with the business, who has no idea about the business, doesn't know anything about the operations, doesn't know anything about the finances. But now she is burdened with a $300,000 tax debt. And then unfortunately, the marriage dissolves. And guess what? She is burdened with a $300,000 tax debt, as her ex-husband is. So it goes both ways. Again, why I'm communicating the fact that this isn't skewed one way or another. It just is, listen, right is right and wrong is wrong, period. And we all have a fiduciary responsibility to... People who are legally connected to us, whether that's a spouse, whether that's a child, whether that's a business partner, or whether you've taken on some responsibility of power of attorney. We have a responsibility to show up informed and to show up ethically. So, I wanted to share these stories with you to plant some seeds because I know in the next 10, 20 years, this is going to become more common. Again, whether it's women becoming the breadwinners in their families or gentlemen who are no longer W 2 employees who are taking on incredible business opportunities, which again changes the entire logistics and changes the responsibility and the liability that will be on their family. All of this needs to be on your radar. And whether you are the primary individual who's engaging in business or not, you need to be included on what is taking place because you have a legal responsibility as well. So I highly encourage you all who are in these beautiful relationships, To please, while things are good, while communication is open, have conversations about it. Don't hide anything. Nothing good will come from hiding information in these business engagements. Nothing good will come from it. And I have seen it snowball into really, really egregious situations that end up following these two people for years long after the divorce, long after the loss of the relationship, long after the heartbreak. I've watched it haunt individuals for decades past. And all of that could have been mitigated by number one, realizing it's a thing, and number two, doing the right thing. So. This was super, super on my heart. Thank you so much if you were able to stick with me through this longer episode. And please, please, please share it, share it, share it. Even if you don't think it applies to you right now. If you are dreaming big, I promise you, this episode will apply to you one day. So take the brief amount of time listen to it, listen to the stories, keep it top of mind. And when in fact it does apply to you or a loved one, circle back because you'll know exactly how to navigate through it, not only to protect yourself, but again, also do the right thing.